Well, good morning, Radiant Lifers. How we doing? Good to see you guys. Hey, if you're a guest, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I want to welcome all of our friends and family who are joining us online today. Thanks for joining us here. Uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover here today, but I just want to do a quick review. We're in this teaching series, uh, Reaching Out and making disciples. And if you've been part of the church for a while, like there's nothing new here. But if you're new, I just I want to briefly try to bring you up to speed. But we, we've covered a lot of ground as a church. And man, we'd love for you to continue to, to join us in this journey. But this, we've been in the book of Acts, which is where the church began after Jesus went back to heaven. But there's really two themes that we've been really working through as a church. And the first is we're making disciples and we're being his witnesses and so the great commission there Matthew 28 and we were on this journey of what does it mean to be a disciple and what does it mean to disciple other people but we need to witness to the ends of the earth and so we've been in that journey awaken was that teaching series and we'll get back into it in a couple of weeks But we do these off-ramps, so to speak. And so Pastor Ryan opened up this teaching series, Reaching Out, last week. And he introduced this concept of how we could bless other people. And so if you weren't here last week, uh, everybody was given a white ping pong ball. And we asked everybody to begin with prayer. That you would begin to pray about someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. They're, they're not, uh, Jesus isn't their Lord and Savior. And so what was awesome was many of you already had a name. You already knew who that person was. And many of you went over to my right, your left on the, the wall there. And you dropped in the white ping pong balls representing your one. And that's awesome. I just want to do a a review of what each one of those are. And so, um, you know, as we begin to listen to people and hang out and eat with them and, and serve them and begin to maybe share our story of how God's impacted us, maybe we could have those relationships with them. And so the green balls represent when we've shared a faith conversation with our one. Meaning that God opened up an opportunity for us to be able to share the love of Jesus with them. And so when you do have those conversations, head over to this wall. You'll see some bins down below. And there's some green ping pong balls that are down there. And just drop that in the middle uh, container part over there. And then Lord willing, soon that person's going to end up coming into relationship with Jesus. They're going to put their faith and trust into him and surrender their life over to Jesus. And so that's what the blue ping pong balls represent is over on the right hand side is when that person comes into faith. And what's awesome is from your perspective, you're working from left to right. But as we mentioned in the announcements, we're celebrating baptism. How cool would it be that you, you prayed for that person, you had those conversations, they stepped into faith, and all of a sudden they make it over to our made new wall and they sign their name after they got baptized. How awesome is that gonna be? That, that was an amen there. You, are you guys awake this morning? Okay. Because we're going to have two conversations today. And as a communicator, I was really struggling with like, 
well, I don't want to keep everybody here past lunch. No one brought a snack or anything like that. I want to keep everybody all day. But man, we've got a ton of ground to cover. And so uh, lean over to one of your neighbors and say, buckle up. And then lean over to your other neighbor and say, did you know you're driving? I'm just, I'm just playing around. So we're having two conversations. We're going back to that bless, and we're going to look at the L and the E, and the L is simply just listen with care, and E represents eating together. So if you brought your Bible, head over to Luke chapter 18, or turn on your device, head over there if you're going to take some notes. Uh, This will be one of our chunks of scripture that we're going to unpack here in this idea of listening. But like I said, we've got a ton of ground to cover, so if you're a note taker, uh, come see me afterwards words if there's something that you missed, but I just want to kind of keep things moving here and get right into these two conversations. So we're going to start at Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 35. As he approached Jericho, this is Jesus and his disciples, so he's showing up to this area, Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he acquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Pause for a second. I want you to just kind of think of this word mercy for a moment, and I want you to set it on your lap. We're going to bring this up in our next conversation, but I think you're going to see how this word mercy plays out in the both conversations that we're having today. So take that word mercy, sit on your lap. We're going to pick it up here in just a moment. Have mercy on me. Then those in front told him to keep quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him. I just, just, let's just stop with Jesus here for a moment. Jesus is on his journey. He has a mission. He's heading somewhere. He hears a guy crying out to him, and he stops what he's doing. And then he asks this question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I think it's easy for us. Well, he's Jesus. He's God. He knows everything. I'm wondering if in Jesus' humanity, he had no idea what this guy actually wanted. Maybe in his humanity, he, was, he, he stopped and was listening to find out what this guy actually wanted. And the man replied, Lord, he said, I want to see. And I'm wondering, maybe it was obvious that the man was blind, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't obvious, but what I do observe here is that Jesus stopped what he was doing to listen to this man. So one of the best ways that we can bless a person is to listen to them. To just simply listen. Not with an agenda, not with intent, but that we just simply listen. Because do we listen with an agenda? Like if someone's speaking to you, You guys are probably more spiritual than I am at this. Like, when someone's speaking to you, are you already thinking about what your response is going to be? Like, are you already thinking about what the next words are going to be right in the middle of what they're saying? I know you guys, you're you're probably really good at that, but I struggle with that. Like, I'm thinking about what my response is going to be. How am I going to respond? 
And, and, and am I trying to fix something that they're lamenting about in their life? And I'm wondering, like, do we have an agenda when we actually listen to people? Now, James, the half-brother of Jesus, he understood this concept about listening. And if you've been a part of the church world for a while, you've probably heard this verse in James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen and quick to respond back to the person what our opinion is and fix the problem that they were not even wanting help with. That's not what it says, just to be clear, right? But I wonder if sometimes this is what we struggle with. No, what James really said is, it says is everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. I mean, it is kind of ironic that we have two ears and only one mouth, right? But for me, my mouth kind of gets in the way of both of my ears. And I'm wondering if we could bless people without having an agenda and just being present and actually listening to them. Because the opposite of listening is not speaking, it's waiting to speak. It's being thoughtful about how that response would be if, if a response is even necessary. I love the book of Proverbs. It's one of my favorite books in all of the Bible. And it has these little nuggets of wisdom, these little short sentences. And I love Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, the one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and a disgrace for him. Now I get it. You probably don't fall into this trap, but I do. I'm, I'm quick to respond often. And I'm growing in that area. But the opposite of listening is not speaking. It's waiting to speak. People want to know that we even care. I mean, think about conversations that you've been in before where you're, you're trying to share, pour your heart out, and that person immediately responded. Like, did you feel valued? Do you feel like they actually listened to you? Did you feel like they even cared? I mean, you've heard this quote from Theodore Roosevelt before. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People just want to know that you care. And I think the best way to do that is by listening. I love this painting. This is a painting of Rene Lenec. And um, what's cool is, like, if you're in the medical field, maybe you recognize this, but Rene um, felt uncomfortable as a doctor putting his head down on women's chest to listen to them breathing and to listen to their heart. And he invented the stethoscope. The stethoscope is still being used today. And I love this quote from Rene. He says, if you use this tool, don't stop listening to your patients. They will still tell you how to heal them. I love that. Like he, he understood the importance of listening to other people. And he was able to use that in the medical field. So how are we doing, church family? How are we doing at listening where we live, work, and play. Pastor Ryan introduced this illustration last week and he challenged us to begin to pray for the people that live around us in our workplace, that cubicle next to us, in the, in the gym or wherever we play. What does it look like for us to listen where we live, work, and play? Theologian Dallas Willard puts it like this. He says, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. Think about it. When people give you attention, do you not feel valued and loved? 
I can tell when my kids are depriving uh, attention and needing attention. But what does it look like to actually just slow down and to listen? And listen where we live, work, and play. So that's kind of the groundwork. Now let's get real practical. Here are the four H's of listening. I told you I was gonna go really fast here this morning. The four H's of listening. The first is history. Here's a question you can ask. Tell me your story. Where did you grow up? And then just sit back. I mean, I have no problem sharing stories about my life, and maybe I'm just selfish in that way, but I I shared quickly in the last service, like, I I grew up by a river, and I spent all my summers in the river, and I always loved jumping off the bridge in the river, and always doing that in front of cars to freak them out, like, that was just something I like to do. I don't know what your story is about freaking out other people, and maybe you're a better kid than what I was, but... Just ask people, like, what was it like growing up? What was your home like? Like, what things did you do? So ask them about their history. The second is their heart. What is your favorite, fill in the blank. You know, what's your favorite sport or sports team? What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite food? Begin to ask those questions, and who knows? Maybe you'll have a connection with what other, their favorite thing is to do as well. And then a habit. You know, what are, what are you into? What, what do you like to do in your free time? Like, man, tell me about woodworking. What is it about woodworking that you like so much? Well, what is that about that, that hobby that you do? So it doesn't put anything on you. You're just seeking them out and beginning to understand their life and what goes on in their life. And really maybe after trust and relationship is built, maybe it would lead into this fourth H and that is hurt. Like, how are you doing? Like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you shared uh, about this thing that you're struggling with. Um, you know, you were sharing about the loss of that job or, man, you, you, you had that loved one that passed away. Like, how are you doing with that? And then just sit back. Like, don't try to, to do, do anything more with that, but just to sit and to listen. Listen to where they're at. Hear what their pain is. Hear where their heart is. Hear where their passions are at. And just sit and listen And I think one of the best ways that we can listen is by eating with people. This is our second conversation. Eating. I brought my dining room table up here. And I don't know if it's because like I'm the roundest pastor on staff to be talking about eating. (laughs) But I am a foodie. But here's the thing, friends, like I don't know if we realize how important food is in the gospel. Like, here's just a handful of examples. The wedding feast. Whoops. Dang it, you weren't supposed to see that yet. Now I really gotta work hard to set that up. The wedding feast. Arguably the first miracle that Jesus did. He turned water into wine. And man, Jews know how to celebrate a wedding. It is a week-long party. It is amazing. Jesus was there. He turned the water into wine. The feeding of the 5,000, right? Like, and that's just counting the men. That didn't include the women and the children. And it was all around bread and fish. It was a huge miracle that was around food. 
Now, you might be confused. Ah, you know, I don't remember the feeding of the 4,000. Is that the same thing, or what is that? The feeding of the 4,000, we have to really pay attention to the geographical context of where that feeding happened. Jesus and his disciples were in a Gentile country. Gentiles simply mean anyone who's not Jewish. And so there was the feeding of the 4,000 in the Gentile region. Once again, that didn't include the women and the children. And then Jesus, right before he's betrayed, right before he's arrested, he's in the upper room with his disciples, his closest friends who've been doing life with him for three years. And he has what we call the Last Supper. And he shares some of the deep intimacy in the kingdom of God with the closest people in his life around a table. And it may not say it in your Bible. I kind of added the last breakfast in there. But I find this interesting because at the very end of John's gospel, the disciples were confused because Jesus, he had been arrested, he had been tried, he was nailed to a cross, he died. And then three days later, he rose again. He was alive again. And then he played peekaboo with all kinds of people, including the disciples. It was awesome. But the disciples were kind of confused. They, they weren't sure what to do, and so they were waiting. In fact, uh, many of the disciples went back to fishing. And that's what you see at the end of John there is Jesus was on the shore cooking breakfast. In fact, Peter jumped out of the boat and it was this beautiful scene with Jesus and Peter. I think there's a lot of the gospel message that's revolved around food. And I, and I just picked out five examples. There are many other examples of the importance of eating with other people. Because think about it, our pace of life is like this sometimes. Not all of you, maybe just me. Like you're running from one meeting to another and you realize, ah, geez, I didn't even eat yet. Or, you, you know, you're picking up the kids or whatever and you're trying to get them to practice. And so you're hitting the drive through really quick just to get something in your stomach and you're like driving with your knees sort of thing, trying to get to the next place. Or we just go at home and sit around the TV and just kind of zone out. And we don't even interact with one another. Church family, it's time to get back around the table. And all the foodies said amen. It's time for us to get back to the table. This is holy ground. Jesus understood the importance of a meal and the type of conversations that we can have around the table. In fact, Matthew, who's one of Jesus' closest disciples, in fact, he even wrote one of our Gospels, one of these points of view about Jesus' life. He wrote about his interaction with Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 9, he says, And he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. After you get your life together and start going to church, and once you stop cussing people out, and after you get your life all straightened out. That's not what Jesus said. <laughs> Jesus said, follow me, and he got up and he followed him. Friends, if you've heard the gospel or you thought you had to come to church and you had to get all your stuff together, I'm sorry, but Jesus just says, follow me. He's not asking you to get your whole life straightened out. 
He wants to walk with you in that journey. And Matthew, he was a tax collector. He was a social outcast. And he followed Jesus. He got up and he followed Jesus. But what's really cool about the narrative is it goes to Matthew's house. Check this out. While he was reclining at the table, while they were reclining at the table, and it may not look like this one, it might have been shorter where they're actually laying down on the ground, but the point is Jesus is at Matthew's table. Is there a Matthew in our life that we need to invite into our table? Jesus reclined at the table. Check this out. Many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. Tax collectors were social outcasts. They were taxing their own people and profiting over it. And here's what I love about this. Even Matthew understood this. Look look at it. Tax collectors and sinners. So there's like sinners, bad people, and then there's tax collectors. And Matthew even understood that. And I love that he threw that little detail in his gospel. So Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. He came to eat. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he hanging out with kind of the filth, the social outcast? Why is your teacher doing that? Now Jesus, he heard He heard what was going on and he said, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Jesus understood this. And then he presses in, because these Pharisees, these were like the religious elite. Like they, they had a deep relationship with God based on their scriptures. And so they were supposed to understand and to know everything. And then Jesus presses in and he says, go and learn what this means. And it's like, that is a bold statement that Jesus is saying. He says, go and learn what this means. He says, I desire mercy. Pick that word back up off your lap. He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And here's the thing, friends. Jesus is quoting a prophet from their Bible. The Pharisees would have knew exactly what he's saying because you find this in Hosea 6.6. He says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Jesus understood that sometimes when we come to the table, we may need to bring mercy We may need to bring grace and compassion because maybe the person that we're inviting to our table smells funny. Maybe they say inappropriate words. Maybe they speak differently than us. Maybe they vote that other party. What does it look like to bring mercy, grace, and compassion I wish I could nerd out on that word with you, but some of your translations say long uh, love or steadfast love or to show love. And Jesus is saying, I desire mercy. He gives us mercy. How can we not give mercy to the ones that we eat with? Because people judge Jesus by the type of people that he invited or that he ate with. Check this out in the Gospel of Luke. 
Uh, Luke 7, 34, the son of man, which is Jesus, came eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Who were the type of people that Jesus was eating with? And if we're gonna call ourselves disciples of Jesus, shouldn't we model that as well? For Jesus, eating was essential to his mission of seeking and saving the lost. And all the foodies said, amen. What does it look like to invite our one into our table and to extend mercy and grace? You know, Luke 19.10, Jesus literally said, the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. We are to be witnesses. Eating and listening with people is essential to the gospel. Theologian Henry Nowen, he puts it like this. He says, when we invite friends for a meal, we do much more than offer them food for their bodies. We offer friendship, fellowship, good conversation, intimacy, and closeness. When we say, help yourself, take some more, don't be shy, Have another glass. We offer our guests not only our food and drink, but also ourselves. A spiritual bond grows and we become food and drink for one another. I love that thought. It's much more than just eating a meal together. And I get it. Maybe there's a few of us, like we're sitting here, like, "Ah, I get the concept. I didn't realize how much food was spoken in the Bible But I just, I want to tackle maybe two excuses that we would wrestle with. So two excuses of just not doing this. And the first is, I just, I don't like to have people in my home. I've got laundry laying around. The dishes are piled up in the sink. I I don't feel like I have a really nice house. It's kind of crummy sort of thing. I just want to press in just for a moment. And maybe we just need to reframe our mindset with what it looks like to have people in our house. Because it's not about what you're eating or even where you're eating, it's about who you're eating with. It has nothing to do with the dirty laundry or the dishes in the sink, it's about the person sitting at your table. Just to prove that this is my dining room table, here's a picture of my dining room table that I took yesterday. Look close. You'll see a vacuum cleaner, a shop vac. You'll see gallons of paint sitting in my dining room right now. Like if if we were to all pack up shop and head over to my house, you would see all this mess in my house. I'm in the middle of remodeling our kitchen. I don't even have all the trim up yet. My wife uh, reminded me of that in first service. It was a little awkward there for a minute. But the point is, it doesn't matter the condition of your house. It matters who you're with. That's what matters. We had several people over at our house, and guess what, it was awesome. Friday night, we had several D group leaders over to our house, discipleship group. And what was awesome is we all sat around this table right here in that picture right there. You know how many people mentioned, hey Brandon, why don't you take your shop vac out to the garage and don't you have a storage closet for your paint? Not a single person mentioned any of that. What they mentioned was, hey, man, the food was good. Thanks for having us over. Lord willing, they felt valued and appreciated because I knew that it was about them. Had nothing to do with the condition of my household. 
The second excuse is, I wouldn't even know what to say. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to talk like you. I, I don't know how to get conversations going. I mean, go back to the four H's, but really just think about what I can learn about this person by listening. You don't need to keep the conversation going. Your job is to be present in the moment, care for them, and to listen to them. Now let's, let's be very practical about this. There's seven days a week, and most of us probably eat three meals a day. Unless we do second breakfast, like that's cool. That's for all the Hobbit fans. Okay, there's like five of them in here. All right. So think about this. On average, for the bulk of us, we eat 21 times in a week. I'm not asking you to add anything to your schedule. All I'm encouraging you to do is to invite someone into something that you're already doing. Here's what my schedule looked like literally last week. I had my life group on Monday, and we like to eat. We eat good, and we eat a lot of food as well in my group. But on Monday, we got together and we ate. On Wednesday, I got to have lunch with my one. I didn't bring up Jesus or anything like that. I just listened to what he had to say and what, the things that are going on in his life. And, and we've got a lot of hobbies that kind of overlap as well. And so I just, I was with my one. Thursday, had a wonderful couple here from the church over to our house. It was good to catch up with them. Haven't really got to hang out with them in a while. And then Friday, we had our D group leaders over. I didn't add anything to my schedule. I just invited people into something that I was already doing. And so let's be real about this. What does it look like to invite our one into something that we're already doing? And maybe it's not even a full meal. Maybe you just go to the coffee shop and have a cup of coffee with them. Now, I want to share a video with you. It's two minutes and 40 seconds long. And it's just a cool story uh, about this elderly woman who's a widow and how she was lonely. And she went out to a restaurant and there was a group of young men who literally just loved on her. And my hope is really listen to her words, especially at the beginning, because I think there's a lot of inspiration and takeaway that we can take from this video. We end with a sweet and tender Southern barbecue experience. Steve Hartman serves it up on the road. For barbecue lovers, Brad's Barbecue in Oxford, Alabama is heaven on earth. But 80-year-old Eleanor Baker says her visit here earlier this month was especially divine. I think it was a God thing. I think God sent me there. You think we needed the example? Yes. That people care about other people and how important it is. <laughs> Eleanor is a widow. She lives with her dog, Rufus. And although she has a big family, they mostly live out of town. So Eleanor was alone the night she went to Brad's barbecue. Security footage shows her entering there in the purple. And at about that same time, these three young men arrived. They say they were just having a good old time. We was all just sitting there just talking. When Jamario Howard noticed Eleanor. An older woman sitting by herself. Jamario says he hates seeing people eat alone. And I seen that. When most of us see someone eating alone, we feel that way. But our sympathy never solves anything. And Jamario really wanted to fix this. So he got up from his table and sat at hers. He just came up and he said, I saw you sitting over here alone. And he said, do you mind having some company? And she said, go right ahead. 
And then I introduced myself, and she introduced herself, and that's just kind of how it all got started. They all ended up having dinner together. And it was just a really nice, pleasant evening. <laughs> what those 20-somethings did that night speaks volumes about their character. <laughs> but they say it wasn't entirely altruistic. <laughs> they enjoyed her company as much as she enjoyed yeah. theirs. Because when we left there, that's all we talked about. When you make that kind of connection with somebody, it's hard to let it go like I already feel like we're her grandkids. <laughs> so you got room for these guys in your life? Of course. I'm so glad y'all could make it. They have all vowed to make room for one another. And certainly, if Eleanor's right, that God played any role in this, it may be to remind us of the joy that awaits just outside the bubbles we live in. I used to say when I was younger, and I still say today, like, I'm going to change the world somehow. And I don't know how... Because I'm not rich, I'm not famous, and I'm not very smart either, so I can't be the president. But we can show the world that it's all right to be kind, and then before long, maybe the world will be a much better place. <laughs> Amen. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Oxford, Alabama. Jeez. So when you look at this, this bless, what does it look like to, to begin in prayer, to actually listen to people without intent, without a reason to respond? And what does it look like to eat with them? You know, and we're gonna unpack uh, the next two things next week, but who's your one, friends? And maybe you've already put the name in over there, but what does it look like to invite them to your table? And maybe you're still hung up on just having people to your house. Well, then maybe you just need to begin with prayer and say, God, can you just provide financially so I can take my one out to eat? The point is there's something special about the table. Jesus modeled this. And I'm wondering, think about your one. I wonder... If the gap between your one in eternity was eating with them, would we eat with them? If literally that person coming into a deep, passionate relationship with Jesus, if the only thing that was holding them back is having them over for dinner, wouldn't we want to do that? Wouldn't we want to have them over and to listen and to hear, hear their heart? Hear what struggles they have. Eternity matters. And I think one of the, the best ways that we can listen to people in reaching out is at the table and eating with others. So would you stand with me? I want to pray for you before we leave here today. And we're going to sing one more song. But I want to pray for you, and, and maybe you need prayer. So prayer team, you can make your way down to the sides. And, and maybe you need to be lifted up in prayer. Maybe there's something stirring on my ramblings, or there's that scripture verse that just really stood out to you. Allow the prayer team to lift you up. But I just I want to pray for you before we leave here today. Father, I speak the name of Jesus over my church family who is here today and even my church family who's online. I speak the name of Jesus that you would give us holy boldness 
that you, you would help us to learn how to cook a meal if we struggle with cooking, that you would help break down the barriers of laundry baskets and messes at our house. Would you kick down those lies and help us to be present with our one? So empower us with your Holy Spirit. Uh, Blow your fresh wind into our life that we could listen. Oh, Lord. Holy Spirit, I speak the name of Jesus to help us listen. Help us to actually use both of our ears and to shut our mouth. Help us to hear our one. Help us to hear their cries. Help us to hear the things that they're going through in their life. And Holy Spirit, inspire us. Give us ideas, thoughts, questions to ask, to get to know. So, Father God, I speak the name of Jesus over my church family. And I ask that you would bless them and that you would empower them with your Holy Spirit. And may we be a church that lives like Jesus and share your love by blessing others. So Lord, help us to live into that. So Father God, I pray this in the matchless, powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said.